Ondas, primos y primas. I can never do that as well as Freddie can. Where is Freddie when I need him? <laughs> Welcome to my Primos podcast. My name is Kevin Garcia, your temporary main host for the day, uh, joined by the man behind the scenes, Edin. Edin, welcome back onto the mic. It's been a good minute. It's been a good minute. <laughs> I gotta say, uh, it's kind of odd combo. It's, uh, it's the first time. It's good, which is shaking things up, you know? You know what? This is like one of those episodes of a TV show where they're like, you know what? These two characters haven't hung out together. Let's make them hang out together. This could be our My Primo's Cup podcast What If episode. <laughs> That's a, which, like speaking that. of which, I haven't seen that series, honestly. I just saw like uh, the first two episodes and and I, and I slept on it, really. I just really slept on it. So. You know, I think a lot of people did because everybody talks about like, the Marvel Disney Plus shows as if they're like this juggernaut that just keeps going. Mm-hmm. But then I don't see people talking about the What If series. I, I think the big problem with the What If series, like I, I enjoyed it enough. But the problem with it is that it's not What If Marvel. It was What If the MCU. And so what that meant is they have a limited amount, number of characters they can use. They can't introduce new characters if they haven't already been in a movie. They can't uh, introduce characters uh-huh, okay. that are only in the comics. They're only using movie versions of characters. So as a result, there's like only so much you can do, right? And and yeah, I mean, I liked it. I wish it was a little bit more of like everything, you know? Like what if we had like movie Iron Man meeting uh, uh, comic book Iron Man? You know, that would be great, but they they don't do any of that stuff. No, but this is season two, right? Coming, I believe. Yeah, this is season two. I saw some clips of it already uh, at uh, San San Diego Comic-Con last year. Um, Yeah, they haven't released them online yet, but it looks pretty good. They're gonna have some more like uh, like ongoing storylines where some of the characters are gonna come back and visit different universes and stuff. They're also doing a spinoff just on Marvel Zombies, which ah. I don't know how I feel about that. Like I, I'm, I love the concept of Marvel Zombies, but I just wasn't a big fan of the show. Uh, um, I don't know. As uh, I liked, uh, especially since we just came from watching The Last of Us. But I'm kind of burnt out on zombies. <laughs> that, that being on uh, The Last of Us, that being the movies like you know Resident Evil, but especially because of The Walking Dead. And I was a, I was a big, I was, I was a, I was a avid fan of The Walking Dead until I was like, okay, I think I'm done with all this drama. Either give me more zombie lore, or I'm, I'm out. And you know what's funny is that like I feel like zombies kind of go in waves i guess like uh much like zombies themselves i guess because you'll have like like batches of zombie movies and then they stop for a couple years and then batches of zombie movies i really think last of us is going to bring a next little batch of zombie shows but it's different for the others because i like the way it it goes Uh, let me ask you a question though zombie shows you're getting a little burnout what do you think of space pirates 
<laughs> the idea of it, because right now you, you say you, you say space pirates, so I'm thinking of show like TV show. I'm I'm thinking of stuff that already exists. Space pirates. Well, I mean, there's this show where this dude wears this like metal helmet all the time. He's got a little green baby with him, and, and he's constantly fighting like all these guys in space. I'm t- I'm talking about the Mandalorian. Ah. <laughs> Got it. That's kind of segue you got there. Yeah, man, that was a stretch. I mean, I, I'm I'm good for those. So, okay. <laughs> well, well, the latest episode. Uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. A bunch of places. Well, well, let's let's start from the beginning. So, yeah. like, um, you know, jumping around to different topics here. Uh, the reason I, I was asking about that because you're saying you know you get burnt out on on zombie shows, and I get that. But um, Mandalorian came out at a time when people were getting kind of burnt out on Star Wars. You know, they they were having like. They had the, the 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 sequel trilogy came out and it was financially very popular, but like hit or miss with a lot of fans. Each of the each of the yeah. movies, they had the solo movie, which people didn't really respond to. Uh, I, I really loved Rogue One, but some people saw it too dark, you know. Um, yeah. And then just when people were like, okay, maybe Star Wars isn't going to be the big hit Disney thought it was, Mandalorian came out and Pedro Pascal, you know, once again carrying an entire franchise on his back, (laughs) you know, and it blew everybody away. And they had a really amazing season one that nobody was expecting. One of my favorite bits from season one is how many episodes referenced the star Wars holiday special, which is like the, the, yeah. Yeah. Cause like, you know, you know what that is, right? The holiday special is like the one star Wars movie that Lucasfilm refuses to ever release again. So they ever aired once. So out of, out of, uh, I believe I may be wrong. Mm-hmm. My with my immediate siblings, and uh, to a degree, including Stanley, I would say uh, I'm the one who's in most into uh, Star Wars, and I know about the Christmas special. I've <laughs> never seen it, so I don't know if I if I lucky. It's something that's one of those kids was called was called the ignorant bliss, but I just hear bad things from that. I just okay, so so you you've heard the phrase "so bad it's good," right? Yes. So there's a great quote from Carrie Fisher when she was asked about that movie, and she mm-hmm. goes, "It's so bad, it's bad." <laughs> and she is not wrong. It was oh my lord! I went to go during South by. I saw a documentary about the making of the holiday special, and before the movie started, the director came out and asked people, "Hey, everybody in the audience, raise your hand if you watched the special." And me and and like a bunch of us raise our hands. Then he goes. Raise your hands if you saw it twice. And I was like, I'm not that brave. <laughs> no, bad. you know what? Speaking of specials, so me and you uh, and, like, the other people, right, uh, Walter and Stanley, uh, we're from, like, same generations, right? Yeah, yeah. So, well, yes, I'm, I, think, I think I'm the oldest of everybody here. Yeah? Okay. So, in that case, then you probably remember that. Uh, I just – so this was me back in mid-'90s, mid-'90s. <laughs> And I saw, which I think it was a special too, but it was like a mini series or TV series about the Ewok. <laughs> I was waiting for you to say it. I knew was waiting for it. Yes, they made two made-for-TV Ewok movies, and and while the while the holiday special is nowhere to be found, you can actually find the Ewok movies on Disney Plus. Really? <laughs> oh, now I'm gonna. You, you know what's <laughs> what's funny to me though is that like. Disney, when they bought Star Wars, they said, we're throwing out the old canon. The only thing that's canon is the live-action movies and the Clone Wars animated series. And the thing is, 
if they say live action movies, that must include holiday special Ewoks and Ewoks, you know? <laughs> uh, but, but what's funny is when John Favreau started the Mandalorian, he yeah. said flat out, I want to make the, the holiday special canon. And so, so that gun that he, that uh, Mando carries for the whole first season is yeah. from the holiday special. And then it, it, even in the first episode, uh, one of the guys that he's he's collecting for a bounty goes, but it's Life Day. I got to get back for Life Day. And that's a reference to the holiday special. Really? Okay. Yeah. Nah, man. Good one. So there's a bunch I, of that. But coming coming into clutch, as the kids say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bringing it back, even even the one thing that Star Wars was like, it's never going to come back. Pedro Pascal made it cool again, and so that whole first season was, you know, blew everybody out, out of the water. It, it drew in non-Star Wars fans because they wanted to know who Baby Yoda was. You know, it drew in <laughs> Star Wars fans because again, deep cut lore like the holiday special. Um, but, but in a good way, not in a bad way, you know? Yeah. And then, then they go off for season two and it got even bigger and better, but they ended on this big cliffhanger of like, oh no, he's finally found the Jedi. He's given baby Grogu away to go be raised by the Jedi. What's going to happen? Are we going to have a whole season without him? And then in the middle, we get book of Boba Fett, which was, mm. it existed. Uh, and then there was one episode of it that was just season 2.5 of Mandalorian. It was like, why did they do that? I don't know. I feel like they hurt. Book of Boba Fett wasn't a great series, but it was okay. But I think by putting that in the middle of it, it hurt Book of Boba Fett. And it also hurts Mandalorian because that means if somebody wants to watch, you know, the whole season of just Mandalorian, they need to go watch that one episode of Book of Boba Fett. So, so that was... I feel uh, if I were to... If I were to be in, I guess whoever who's in charge of of uh, Star Wars department, right? Yes, Filoni like, now. Oh, they, oh, they, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, he's um, the guy that he's the guy that ran the Clone Wars cartoon, Dave Filoni. Oh my god, that guy knows. What he, he definitely he does. Knows. He does know what he's doing. Lore wise, he's great. Story wise, he's great. I don't think it was a good idea to put that there. I don't know whose choice that was. Yeah, no, but um, I feel like this. Okay, in order to salvage the book of boba they needed a heavy hitter like they really needed a heavy hitter episode something to like just basically like a hail mary to kind of like redeem the whole series because i saw the book of boba and i i enjoyed it would i watch it again after like yeah i i i enjoyed it more as it kept going but a big problem with it for me was like it didn't have internal logic right like mm-hmm. I can accept that space pirates exist. I can accept that there are space uh, wizards. You know, I can accept that even though the empire fell, there's still guys with stormtrooper outfits running around. Fine, yeah. I can accept all that. But in this movie, in this show, he's like, "I am going to be the new crime lord." Okay, what crime are you going to do? I'm going to sit in this chair. Okay, so what are you lording over this chair? Okay, how does that stop other people from being crime lords? Because I'm the guy in this chair. And it's like that it, it didn't go anywhere. You know what I mean? It wasn't until the end of the season that he's finally actually achieving things. And 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 I love actually, unlike a lot of people, I love the flashbacks. I actually liked the flashbacks. I just wish there was an episode of flashbacks instead of sprinkling them into other episodes, you know? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Cause yeah, by that point it kind of felt like uh you know how Game of Thrones uh will have several Storylines within the main throughout the story, right? Yeah, 
Now that you mentioned that, it felt like that, but with this, with the, the same person. Yes, several storylines. It's an A story and a B story with the same guy. Yeah, so it's basically two timelines, but the past and present of the same person. It's like, yeah, you're right. You're like maybe for an episode or two to do that, to explain some stuff. But throughout the whole series, though, I don't know. Yeah, right. and and then um, the other aspect of it was little things that got like hinted at and then didn't really happen. They'd be like one of the biggest ones for me is they bring in Danny Trejo. Danny Trejo is now officially part of the Star Wars universe, and his job is to teach Boba Fett to ride a Rancor. And I'm like, oh hell yeah, I'm here for this. And then he doesn't show up again. And then the last couple episodes, Boba Fett's riding a Rancor. What happened to all the hard training he was going to have to do? Did he bond with the Rancor? Did the Rancor just smell him and go, "You smell good. I'm your friend now." You know what what happened? There are some episodes that I feel kind of pointless. Like, yeah. okay, there's nothing much to this episode. But when you think about it, they're more like world building or building. Yeah. It's kind of like they're prepping for the next. They're pre- they're priming you for the next for the next episode or a few episodes down the line. But now when the so when the I guess said episode comes, they flash. They take you back to. Hey, remember this episode? Now you know why. This whole series for me of Book of Boba, it felt like okay, they're priming me for all. It feels like all this world setup, all this world building, and I was expecting a good, uh, a good, uh, like the the reason why they would do that. And then I, I we kind of got it, but again, like I said, this it was the episode of, of, of the Mandalorian. So, uh, so it feels like well, there's just a. The, like I said, from the whole series. Like, I thought this was Book of Boba, not The Mandalorian. You know, I thought it was two different shows. I didn't mind that he showed up. It's actually, I was so bored of it, too, that I was like, okay, something, something exciting. But do you really want a character from a whole different series to make your story to stand out? I don't know. You know what? Let, let me give you, uh, let me take what you said and just get an example of that, you know. Um, in the book of Boba Fett, we introduce, you know, this killer Wookiee who's in the comic books, by the way. Um, yeah. and he's cool, but I want to see him in other projects. And then we get the twins, these two huts that always travel together that are twins. Okay. They seem really cool, but they just showed up, looked menacing and left again. I, I guess we're going to get to see them in another series at some point, but it's like, uh, you know, all right, wait, wait, wait. Okay. So that brings us back to now. Right. So. Book of Boba Fett kind of burned me out a little bit on Star Wars. I was like, I want to like it again, but that was, I didn't hate it. It wasn't horrible. It was just, eh. And then we come back with, with Mandalorian season three. And, and I will admit, I didn't start watching it when it came out. I like, I waited a couple of days. All right, I'll, I'll go back and watch it. Mm. Let me ask you right now. What did you think of that first episode of Mandalorian season three? This is the one where he's returning to Navarro. He sees that it's this big garden planet. We see that there is this space pirate who looks like a, a swamp thing wearing a space pirate outfit, you know? Uh, what'd you think of that episode? I don't know, like, honestly, for me, I'm, right now I'm big. I'm big on The Mandalorian. I've been getting into the whole uh, lore of, Mand- of, of Mandalorians. Oh, yeah, so, see, like, that's good. So, so to me, I was actually just enjoying it. Really, I was just actually... Uh, I remember when it was like uh, uh, the first episode came out, which was March first, I believe. Which was uh, I believe on Wednesday. It was already Friday. It was like, oh my god, I missed it. I went to watch it. But over to me to give you a short answer. I really liked it. It was uh, pretty good. Uh, I made it a little bit of a slow start, but honestly, uh, I, I I had the opposite reaction. Yeah, that first episode wasn't bad. 
but it was cheesy and not in the way that I like. Like, I felt like the Space Pirate King was like a Power Rangers bad guy. Like, I'll get you, Rangers. You know? And you, yes, that's true. And, yeah. And then Navarro, I liked the idea that time had passed and it had grown. Apparently, Dave Filoni said it had been like five years or something since we last saw them, even though real world's only been like two. Um, now that you mentioned that, now with uh, some, uh, some hindsight from since that episode, or from the, well, the first time we saw Navarro, it looked like a desert planet. Right. It was a desert planet. And yeah. now it's like a lava planet, but I guess they brought plants to it. I mean, hey, that's a, I would like to, if they can explain that kind of sort of ecosystem, because these fools are terraforming. Because it looked like, okay, it was a desert planet. I feel like it would take more than years, maybe decades to right. kind of look. Now, now I, I don't think they were saying the whole planet was green now, but Navarro itself was very green. Like suddenly there were trees, plants everywhere. There's th those uh, those little I can't remember what they're called. Those guys from Jabba the Hutt's palace. They're basically like monkeys in the trees. I, you know? uh, they're like lizard monkeys, apparently. Yeah, they're like they're well, they're just Muppet monkeys. Is all I can think of because I mean they're literally Muppets, but like I, I always think of them as being little Muppets. They remind me of those guys from uh, uh, the Labyrinth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, but yeah, that's very weird, right? It was jarring seeing it going from a desert to this. Yeah. So yeah, like each of yeah, you're totally right. I was uh I was actually watching some reviews on it uh on this episode, and they were mentioning that how like uh, you could tell how the how the Navarro has progressed. And one clear marker is the pagodas. Is the pagodas on each time you see it, the pagodas looks more lavish and luxurious. Yeah, I did see that too. I saw what you're talking about, and and yeah, it, it, that's kind of a nice touch as a subtle touch, but they yeah. went from subtle. Subtle growth, subtle growth to suddenly we have a forest inside the city. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> buy this off of IKEA or something? Right. Okay. Now, okay. So, no. That being said, hmm. that being said, uh, while the first episode kind of turned me off a little bit, um, I didn't go back to watch it again until last week, where I went to go watch all the episodes at once, mm -hmm. and all the rest of the season so far has blown me away. Like, I really, really loved what I saw. Like. Okay, it was kind of weird that Mandalorian wants to f rebuild the old robot, the IG unit. Uh, by the way, do you, you know who played the IG unit, right? Uh, that was that was Taika Waititi. Really? The, yeah, the Thor Ragnarok director was the voice yeah. of that robot. Oh, really? uh, oh, yeah, and so they're like, oh, let's try to bring him back. And all I can think of is like, okay, I know in the first season that they established that he's he's scared of or hates droids, and that was the first droid he trusted. But at the same time, He's evolved a lot since then. So why does he need that one droid back again when it's completely beyond repair? But whatever. So then that became his mission of let's go repair the droid. But then after one or two episodes, he's like, nah, forget that. We're going to do something different now. And, and that's weird. But that being said, I still liked it. I still liked the episodes. You know? I had that very same, I had that very same question because what's up to that point all he wants to bring him back because that's the first droid he, he, he trusts. Uh, and maybe he's gonna have to do it in a situation again where he has to show his face, but he needs assistance, so he's you know, he's gonna go where he already trusts, which is the one droid. But no, pretty much that was just a vehicle to just show you, oh, okay, is this R2 R25? I think, yeah, R R5 unit. Oh, there you go, it's an R5 unit. So basically, all of that they destroy all <laughs> of it, yeah. Was, okay. it just and, to segue to oh oh we we're gonna need to get a yeah it's all of this for R five which I guess yeah. hey, 
that and the show the little tiny dudes from uh uh the La the rise of skywalker i guess right the little tiny droid builders yeah um but but yeah so he so he doesn't even bother to rebuild ig after one episode they, they go to the mines and honestly the mines were pretty damn cool like it was a cool episode there was a the, the, these giant blue caveman guys with six eyes or whatever, they, they reminded me of the Morlocks from the old uh, Time Machine movie from the 60s. You know, we got to see a bunch of creatures down there in this, like, radioactive wasteland, which is apparently not as radioactive as people thought. Uh, it was a nice little fun adventure. I also really liked the idea of separating uh, Grogu from Mando, uh, which required Grogu to team up with Bo-Katan for a little bit, which is just... Like you said, the, that team up episode where characters that don't normally team up team up, right? Yeah, yeah. No, but since you, now that you mentioned that those creatures from uh, Time Machine, it does remind me a little bit from those creatures from the <laughs> early two thousands movie, The Time Machine. Oh well, yeah, well, that one was referencing the sixties movie. Yeah, exactly. That's what when you mentioned that, I was like ah. Boom, that's the arc right there. That's the connection. <laughs> oh, and by the way, I know somebody out there is going to be going, wait, no, it was a book first. Yes, of course, Time Machine was a book first. But those guys were clearly based on the 1960s adaptation of the book. Uh -huh. <laughs> you, know, you know, they were big bluish guys with like fur bikinis going on. Those are definitely <laughs> the Morlocks, you know? No. That, yeah. Uh, and then we got to see in that episode... Something that I, I mean, I guess it's a, it's, it's just a matter of time before they eventually showed, but the actual mythosaur, and I'm like, oh damn, that's that's badass. The myth yeah. is the, not no longer sits in the flesh. Yeah, the 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 fleshosaur now, I guess then. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, this is that 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 logo that's on Boba Fett and all the other Mandalorians, and we're learning. Okay, we get to actually see it. I mean, we only see an eyeball, but we see it. We can definitely see a that horn coming down, so we know it's a mythosaur. Yeah, but it's a pretty huge because oh yeah, other earlier renditions of it, like I don't know, you could, I guess you could saw like uh, earlier comic book renditions or fan art. Uh, uh, it doesn't look that big, but then again, it's been years, thousands of years, no since. So yeah, like uh, the Zillow Beast, <laughs> like that's last for centuries or who knows what. Yeah, like if not, if uh, I guess it gave him time to grow that big, so I'm looking forward to maybe 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 he's been hibernating all this time. Well, you know, yeah. it's funny you talk about it being big. One thing that's funny is that like I think most people who think about Mandalorians, even even outside the series of Mandalorian, um, they think of them with the jetpacks and the armor and everything like that. But the Mandalorians have a long history of riding animals. You know, I mentioned Book of Boba Fett; he's riding the um, Rancor. But in the original, <laughs> in that, in that, uh, to run back to what we said at the beginning, the holiday special, which is the very first on-screen appearance of Boba Fett, he's riding a giant dinosaur that's the, like a giant brontosaurus, and that's his mount in that episode is this okay. giant brontosaurus. So like right. they're just bringing back this tradition of the Mandalorians riding large monsters, you know. So I think that's pretty cool. No, it is. But you know what? Okay, now we're talking. Thanks. Now they're talking about the mythosaur. This mm -hmm. is. So then Jaren, then Jaren, El Mando, the Mandalorian. Yeah. Oh, he has the Black Saber. Yes. To a degree right now, he is Mandalore. Yes. Right. But how these last few episodes have been painting it, they're aiming to see Bo-Katan's, like, theming arc, I guess. So, so here's the thing, man. Um, I... 
I'm going to freely admit right now, I did not watch most of the Clone Wars animated series. Uh, and the reason is because those first first couple episodes were so bad, it made me not want to go back. And I know everyone has told me over and over again that it got better, it got better, it got better. I know it did. I've seen episodes here and there that were amazing, but I've just never gone back to watch the whole series. That being said, I know that it, uh, that her and the follow-up, the Rebels especially, we get to see uh, you know her development as this hero from a great line of, of leaders of Mandalore. And you're right, uh, by tradition, or not by tradition, by, by legend, uh, 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 Din Djarin, who's our main Mandalorian, that he should be the leader of Mandalore because he's got the blade. But he said repeatedly, both the other Mandalorians and, and to her, I'm only holding it for now. Like, it's just that. Like, that's the only reason he has it. And by their tradition, because they're a warrior culture, he can't just give it to her. So I can dig that. I like this idea that she's being set up to be a leader because clearly he's not somebody who wants that or would be qualified to do that, much less, you know, a lot of times they say, you know, don't don't want, don't get a leader who wants to be a leader, but he's also not qualified. <laughs> um, so the idea is that he's holding it until the, I guess, the, the, the prophecies align to allow her to take over again, right? Yeah, so right now, so I feel like, there's two venues to uh, at least two unless I'm completely lost. But me, how I'm seeing it, you Maybe have you the, are. the black saber, right? With yeah. The dark saber. So the, he is, uh, I guess, uh, a candidate to to rule Mandalore. But yeah. then, Ibuka Tan also to be riding the Mississaur. So now you have really two solid candidates. Yep, you're right. Then, you're right. And then I'm hearing other people like uh, maybe oh oh. Also, let's not forget. Baby Yoda, like, well, Grogu. Yeah. Yes, it has a like he has best card armor. Yeah. Which is wild. But right now, see, okay, it's gonna be maybe Bokatan with the Mesosaur and then John with the black with the black uh, lightsaber, and are gonna go at it with, against each other. I don't know. That's I, don't, too- I don't. I don't think they're gonna go at it. I think it's gonna be like um, we don't know exactly what's gonna happen. Clearly, they're setting up to have some kind of. Yeah return of the Mandalorian culture um, and they're going to need a leader. Uh, so yeah. it makes sense that they're going to look to their legends to make that happen. Yeah. So, so, uh, so yeah, so pretty much uh, the story plus, I don't know. That's like I said, it seems like that's what, that's what uh, it seems to me like that's what it's going to go to. But at the same time, you see them working and getting along well. So at the same time, like, Oh, well, I feel like it's going to be pals. Or, or, oh, I, I don't. I don't see Bo-Katan and and Dinjarin becoming major enemies. Like there could be a rivalry at some point, but not like a leadership rivalry. It's going to be yeah. more like a, a disagreement over one thing. <laughs> the the fan theory that I've been hearing a lot, which I like, mm-hmm. is that uh, in Bo-Katan's animated adventures, there was uh, these uh, this this faction of the Mandalorians that were called, I think, the Death Watch, who basically followed um, Darth Maul. And they even added spikes to their helmet. And now we have uh, the the armorer, who's the basically the cult leader of, of the Mandalorians here. She's got spikes on her helmet, and she, like the Death Watch, she refuses to take off her helmet. So it's like, you know, uh, it, it makes sense that she could be from that 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 twisted version of Mandalorians. But that being said, every opportunity she's had to be sneaky and evil, she's not really been evil. So I don't know. Uh, but before we continue with this, I want to come back to this. Because uh-huh. I want to touch base on the next episode because it's the next episode is kind of an out of place episode. Um, it's what uh, Doctor Who fans would call a Doctor Light episode because the Mandalorian is barely in the episode. 
and that is uh, the episode about the former uh, imperial scientist uh, on Coruscant. Uh, who got who got the the? <laughs> that's what they call it, mind flare, right? Yeah, mind flare, which is a D and D term, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, from also, I heard. That, I think I heard that term on Stranger Things too. That's, like, oh. Yeah, they did. Uh, but but yeah, that was a crazy episode. It felt like almost like a Twilight Zone episode. It was very very good, twisted, weird. You're kind of following along. Everybody from the beginning knows this this other person is going to be betray him. But at the same time, how and why of it? I don't think anybody predicted how it was going to end. That was very very weird. Yeah, no, but so far I'm liking it. One of the reasons why I first liked the uh, Mandalorian because uh, was it gave me that big vibe to Wolf and Cup, Lone Wolf and Cup. Yes, of course, of course. That's what it's based on originally. So yeah, and I, I don't know much about it. I just seen uh, here clips here and there from the from the uh, uh, I believe it was done in the fifties or sixties. Well, Lone Wolf and Cub was a manga that that went on for years in Japan, uh, and it's been adapted several times into live action, animated, but but also. Pretty much any time you ever see a loner action hero taking care of a little kid, whether it's Leon the Professional or you know Shoot 'Em Up, a movie from a while back nobody remembers, uh, these were all movies that were based on, in one way or another, Lone Wolf or Cub. That was the one that started that whole genre of the tough killer and the innocent kid, you know. And yeah. Mandalorian is like not only the latest version of that, but probably one of the best versions of it in years. I would um, say, how's, uh, how does that term being used? The spiritual. Spiritual uh, successor, definitely, definitely a spiritual uh, follow-up to that. Yeah. yeah, but 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 I want to bring back to that idea mm. with the episode right before the current one, which was the Foundling, and that was the one uh-huh. where they they go to get those giant uh, like pterodactyl creatures. Which again, they're clearly going to ride these things as mounts later. So we're definitely getting another example of Mandalorians riding giant mounts. But it also gave us a big clue into Grogu's past, which people are wondering about. Uh, I was convinced fully that they were going to have uh, the their armorer, as soon as she was alone with him, give him, like, try to get into his head, do something evil, or I don't know what. But instead, she fully encouraged him, gave him armor and everything, and we got to see who saved him when he was a child. What do you think of that episode? And, uh, and the whole thing about the, like, the little Easter egg info that they told us about that Jedi, which is, turns out to be the original actor who played uh, Jar Jar Binks. So yeah, yeah. So I love that Ahmed Best was brought in. Hey. Um, I I didn't have a I didn't get to see. I didn't I didn't watch it when it first came out, and I mm-hmm. saw people talking about Ahmed Best, and I'm like, I should watch this episode before anything else happens. So I watched the episode. I would I was expecting Jar Jar to show up, but this was way better. <laughs> yeah, uh, Ahmed Best as a Jedi, and here's what I didn't even know. Right right around the time the pandemic started, Disney was doing a Jedi themed. Uh, game show for kids and Ahmed Best was the Jedi who would bring the young Padawans in for the competition. So it was like, do you remember Double Dare when you were a kid on Nickelodeon? Yeah. yeah, It was basically Double Dare but with Jedi stuff and Ahmed Best was the Jedi teacher. So literally uh, the uh, the guy whose job it was to train and teach the baby Jedi he was the one who protected Grogu. Full circle, you're right. Kind of a little, a little bit of a full, full circle. No, but uh, that was actually a really good episode. Uh, a really good episode. 
Because also, I believe when the ship that took uh, Grogu away from everything, that's all, I think that was from Tat- no, not Tatooine, from Naboo. Yeah, Naboo. yeah, it was. So I don't know who was there, uh, a delegate or somebody from Naboo that's okay, we need to help this out. Uh, so, yeah, here's what I wonder about that. What I wonder is, is that that raises some new questions. We now know how he got off Coruscant, but we still don't know what happened in the uh, 25 or so years between him escaping Coruscant and being found by Mando. So, like, if he's on the Naboo thing, the assumption is he goes back to Naboo, right? But, oh. but, but then, like, he's not with, uh, you know, Ahmed Best when when Mandalorian finds him. So something else happened in the middle. We don't know what yet, you know. The only thing for the people that I know of, and yeah, I'm a Star Wars uh, avid fan, but I'm not like knowledgeable with all the little details. The only one that I, that I feel like okay, that I would know would uh, care to help out would be one, the character himself because he's now like a a politician. Is Jar Jar Binks, oh, or uh, what's it called, the uh, Santa Organa? Organa, yeah. Well, he's not on, uh, he's not on Naboo. He's on, he's on uh, Alderaan. He's on, he's on Alderaan. Uh, uh, so the thing is here is like, uh, I actually kind of hope it is Jar Jar that he brings him to, not because I want to see a bunch of Jar Jar, but just because it would be nice to get a brief glimpse of Jar Jar not being a horrible character. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? yeah. Like I mean, uh, I could, I could. Yeah. I find Jar Jar annoying, but he's yeah. still part of the look. He's the still lore. part of that world and helped out a lot. But uh, and yeah, again, I can see why people don't like him. Not my favorite character, but he has definitely come through. He's definitely come through. So he he definitely has did his part. He did Jar Jar did his part. So to do something a little bit more that helps him step out from just being this comic comedic relief, that'd be great. It would. All right, I'm gonna sit break from that to go to our last episode, which just came out. We just watched it. Um, yeah. I, I was. I told you already. I did not like the first episode of season three because I thought that the the pirate king character was a little bit dumb, and I was worried that he was going to be this ongoing bad guy through the entire season. Uh, Turns yeah. out they just brought him back once, just so we could have a giant battle. And I was like, you know what? I'm cool with this. I like this. Uh, what did you think of the latest episode, man? Oh, so it feels like at least for the season, at least for the season, it this episode did feel like it paid off a lot of things that it that it started in the beginning of the season. So definitely get some. It was like a really tight, uh, neatly uh, wrapped, uh, uh, like uh, tying of ends within this episode. A lot of action. Also, a lot of like little apparently a lot of Easter eggs here and there. Of course, uh, always. But I like that they were like really now for focusing on a gay background on how it, it gave us uh, some background knowledge, some context on why the first order came to be. Right. And apparently that. Apparently, the 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 previous uh, republic had all three rims. Now it's barely handling the mid rim, which that should be a place where they should have a good grasp. But even with that, they're struggling. So um. So, so yeah, I, I get what you're going. They're, they're definitely going to be building toward the future. Um, I, I, this gives me hope. I like the idea of Mandalorians having like a little outpost on Navarro. That's yeah. a lot of fun. I, I can't wait to see where that goes. I'm actually pretty excited for this series. All right. I, I want to pause the discussion for a minute and uh, kind of talk about other things that we're going to be doing. But, but first, 
let's just uh, have a music break. And we're back, and I also uh, want to introduce, we have a new guest with us. Uh, Edine, join me in welcoming uh, Phil Maki. Phil is somebody who has been working in animation for a long time and also talking about it a lot online. Uh, during the pandemic, I was, I was watching his videos almost daily where he was doing like live talks about stuff. And uh, after the pandemic, he, he did a crowdfunded um, documentary on Batman the Animated Series. Uh, Phil, welcome to My Primus Podcast. Hey, it's nice to be here. Uh, Phil, uh, we were just talking about Mandalorian, um, which yeah. is you know a show that's been on a lot of people's minds. Uh, but uh, I think it's good. Yeah, but but what I wanted to also talk about is like other things we've been watching. Uh, Edine, before we started, what did, what did you tell me that you've been watching re lately? Oh, so recently I've been like uh, since here at Primo's podcast, they only listen to or watch anything Marvel, so I had to you know bring in some balance. So I started to watch an old classic uh, and favorite of mine was uh, Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. So just have to call it an old classic. My goodness, like that. That's well, just... it's it's so old that HBO takes it off its its own uh, channel. What the hell? HBO takes off everything. Apparently, nothing Jeez. is sacred. Yeah, yeah, but I'm not even. Uh, no, no bueno. <laughs> and then I'm gonna take that as a personal attack. Yeah, you're right. I, I do make things too much Marvel. Um, but no, DC DC does love some does need some love. Uh, for the record, I wanted to say real quick. People ask me all the time, you know, what I like more, DC or Marvel, and obviously I get more into Marvel. But I won't say I love it better than DC. Though I always say they're different. At DC, all the heroes are gods among men. Even Batman, who is technically a normal human being, when he walks into a room, everyone just cowers Absolutely. because he just is a presence. And then at Marvel, even the gods are flawed. Like, there has recently been an issue where Odin realizes he's an alcoholic and goes to Tony Stark for advice. Like, what the hell? You know? Like, I love that that dichotomy between this, like... And I'm not, and again, not everybody at DC is perfect and not everybody at Marvel's flawed, but, like, that kind of sums up the universe for me. Eileen, what do you think? What do you think is the difference between Marvel and DC for you? No, now that you mention it, it's, it's exactly that, actually. Is it... Because... Uh, uh... Even uh, from the main. Yeah, are you are you in prison? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think he has this brick wall behind him, and it's got like slats on there. It's very dark. <laughs> you know what? Are you? Do you need us to come fight? Do you need us to come get you? It just hit. It just, it just hit me right now. It took me. A you just realized you're in prison. <laughs> this, this got heavy really fast. If we had some of those gods from the DC universe, they could take care of it real quick. <laughs> no, but, uh, what's it called? The but yeah, from the main seven, super. I mean, Batman being the one with the least physical abilities, he's he can easily outperform or uh, or is to be presented that he can easily outperform several of these like Wonder Woman, yeah. Superman, Flash, Green Lantern, all these people. I'm like he's one of the main three. So that's that's so. Is he the least physically able? Because I would almost. I would wonder if everybody lost their powers and just had to use their. Oh brain. no! If if everybody lost their powers, he's the most physically able. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but like but like take Aquaman for example. Aquaman is super strong. He's yeah. got a host of other abilities, 
But I don't think you'd find a single person that would say Aquaman would be better in a fight than Batman. No. Although yeah. if, if, if it's the if it's the early '90s Bat or Aquaman. Oh yeah, that was the one time I actually liked Aquaman. I, I am I go on record. I go on record as being an Aquaman hater, but primarily oh. because I'm a Namor stand. I guess is that the kids oh, would say. Okay. Um, and Aquaman has just constantly ripped off Namor over the years. He appeared a couple years later. On all, his only power was to breathe underwater. And his well, original first, didn't he? No, Aquaman came out like four or five years later. In fact, the the only his original origin is so stupid. Literally, his dad studied the ocean accidentally left his boy underwater and says, oh, my boy can breathe underwater. And that's his origin. That's it. That, that, that's his origin. That, uh, is, that is one origin. Yes. That's but then, but then, yeah, then a few years later, they're like, hey, now Moore's got this origin where he has this underwater kingdom. Let's say that Aquaman's from Atlantis. So they redid his origin, which is funny because I think his Atlantis got named Atlantis before Namor's did. Okay. Um, Moore's does isn't isn't Atlantis at all? I thought I thought it was something else. Well, no. In, in the original comics, for the first thirty years, uh, it was just called the Undersea Kingdom. Yep. It wasn't until Stan Lee took over that he's like, "Let's call it Atlantis," you know. Uh, and then in the movie, they call it Talokan, But whatever. Uh, it's uh, what's up, Eddie? No, no. But just go see. Uh, I was about to mention too. Uh, I guess it's just the rivalry that exists between Marvel and DC because for because I swore I swear that I've heard like other. Other, I guess, uh, podcasts or comic book experts mentioned that Aquaman was first, and now like, so I was like, man, it's like, who's telling me the truth? Is you, you, my is personal this? theory on why Aquaman got to be more popular than Namor is <laughs> is uh, it all comes down to the Super Friends, because uh, what happened is in the 1960s, uh, DC had an animated show. They had like a, like a, a, this time slot to fill. And it was it was called the Superman Aquaman Hour, and the only reason it's called that is because they had a Superman cartoon, and they needed to fill something else. They just grabbed one of their other animated shows because they they had done several by that point, right? And they put Superman and Aquaman together. And at that time, Superman was the biggest animated star on TV. So kids are tuning in for Superman, and there's Aquaman. So what ends up happening is you have a whole generation of baby boomers that grew up knowing who Aquaman was. So then when the Super Friends start, they bring him in. And then as time goes by, so you have this whole generation that I fully believe that because of the popularity of that animated series, this is my theory, cannot back it up. It's only my personal theory that that that's why Aquaman ended up staying longer than he logically should have in the public consciousness. True. When I when I was introduced to Aquaman was in the early '90s. That was when I was getting into comic books, and my Hook, Aquaman. Hook hand. Yeah, my Aquaman had a had a harpoon for a hand. That was badass. I, I loved Peter David's Aquaman. I'm, I'm not and, and the reason why I'm bringing that up also is because that's the version they brought into Justice League. Yeah, the good and, version. And, and I love the version in Justice League as well. So I feel like that's the... And I kind of think that the live-action movie channeled a little bit of that energy. Yes. So. Uh, the, I feel like the live-action was a combination between that Aquaman and just Jason Momoa being a surfer dude. Yes. Yes, True. I would agree. So I was cool with that. If they wanted to keep Jason Momoa on and then, you know, give him a harpoon hand, I would be totally down for that. Yeah, maybe it can still happen. Maybe it can still happen. In the no, future. they're gonna bring him, they're gonna bring him back as Lobo, supposedly. I hope so. I hope he would be a great Lobo. <laughs> he, would be, he would be a great Lobo. And if they do that, they'll probably go with a different version of Aquaman. They'll make him look more like the maybe the blonde haired. I don't know. We'll, nah. see, we'll see what they do. But did you like the cartoon, Eden? No, 
Now they mentioned that I was about to ask uh say ask that too, like when you mentioned the harpoon, like well, isn't that the the same uh Aquaman that gets from the, the Justice League from the early two thousands and the in Tanami? Exactly. Because yeah. that was the one time Aquaman was not a ripoff of Namor. He was a different I think he did have a little bit of Namor's personality being gruff and like whatever, but he felt more unique now. They, no. they actually did a better origin story for him on the animated show than they did in the comics because if memory serves, uh, and I have the comic book in the other <laughs> part to prove it, but it, it's the dumbest thing. The guy can communicate with fish, but if I remember correctly, uh, he was fighting with some guy and uh, the guy grabbed his arm and like shoved it into piranha-infested water. Yeah. And I'm like, but that was your one ability was that the you one we all well the one we all know about is that you could talk to fish and, and, and the fish and, betrayed him and the fish betrayed his yeah but in the animated show it was was really great was he was he uh, is about to uh he's pinned to a underground rock that is about to slide into a fissure and his infant newborn son is also pinned to that rock yeah, they're about to die, and he pulls off the A off his belt, and like a badass, he cuts <laughs> off his arm and saves him and his son. And I'm like, that is a much better origin story for the harpoon hand. Yeah, Gives him agency. I have the origin from the comic book, but I'm guessing no. Yeah, exactly. That's very different. Um, you you know what? Uh, um, a lot of the animated origins. I know Paul Dini had a lot to do with a lot of those. Um, they were better because they had the 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 gift of hindsight like i i really love the origin story for superman in this universe like uh i i've still shown that to other people being like just look you don't need to watch the rest of the series just watch those first couple episodes of superman and you see you know a different origin for brainiac a, a, a expanded origin for jor-el yeah I, I really love that stuff brainiac was handled very well in the animated series and i i would love it if they would bring that like if they somehow when they redo this dc thing that's I a good origin that would be such a great character to bring into film um if they wanted to give the justice league something to fight talk about a thing that can keep coming back and and you don't feel bad about beating up on it you know what yeah because dark side is a little bit too much on the nose yeah to 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 thanos so, well, um, the Kirby stuff is it's great, but it's such there's so much world building involved that I feel like unless you're gonna dedicate like an entire saga of filmmaking to it, it's almost not worth going into. You know what's really funny is I complain all the time about Aquaman being a ripoff of uh, Namor, and he totally is 100. Um, but Darkseid came first. Yeah. You know, Thanos is a ripoff of Darkseid, but for a whole generation of moviegoers... Many of Marvel he, things are that way. Yeah, no, that goes both directions. They, go, they both go both directions. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it is. It is a rivalry, man. But, but like, for a lot of fans, they're going to see, oh, you know, I can tell that, that uh, Darkseid is just their version of Thanos. And for them, Darkseid came second. And, and that's kind of... It's a, it's a shame... But yeah, unless they're going to put the effort into really differentiating him and making him a full character, I think if they really brought in some of the Morrison origins for him, that'd be really great. But it, but if without that, he's just a big Thanos guy that wants to kill things. Yeah, like uh, 
Because uh, with Dark, with Thanos has the infinite right? Yeah, and then Dark Side has the anti life. Anti life equation. Well, he doesn't have it. He's no, no. Sorry, I mean the thing that he wants is what I mean by that. That's his goal. That's what he, sorry. That's what he wants. He, what he has is, are those is those freaking awesome eye beams that for some Omega, he, the Omega, Omega beams, which can shoot around stuff. I don't know how that works, but okay. <laughs> just by staring him down. No, but I love that. I love that he can be staring at somebody, laser around their head, and shoot him in the back. Why? Just because he can. Because he can. <laughs> <laughs> Dark Side is like the ultimate jerk. My whole childhood, by the way, I thought his name was Dark Seed. What? Yes, it's not when a I weird thing to think the way it's spelled. The spelling when is I, weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, when I saw the spelling, because I again I first came across this dog from Dark Side from the Justice League Unlimited. I mean Justice League, you're right? Uh, and then it's one day recently, actually recently, is it's it's kind of like the perfect uh, real life version of. I was today years old. I was because <laughs> I saw Dark Side. Like that's not how you feel, Dark. Side. <laughs> that's Dark Side. Oh man, I, I want to say Kirby is the one who started the whole comic book tradition of spelling things funny, <laughs> because in the '90s everybody's name was spelled funny. But but you know, yeah, but Kirby things, did it first. <laughs> one of the things I'm always wondering is when they're when they're writing Star Wars episodes and movies and stuff. How are what is the what is the idea behind the naming convention? You, okay, just just to be clear, before Disney bought Star Wars, there was a character who was a a Jedi Knight who was named uh, Bator, and uh, the idea was that eventually, over time, he was going to become a Jedi Master. Uh, but I somehow, don't... somehow, the writer got that into lore before the editors caught it. So when he finally became master, they had to make sure that no matter how many times they said it, they never said master before his name. <laughs> D- DC has not, I'm sorry, not DC. Disney has not brought him back into canon yet. I wonder why. <laughs> well, what I mean is that's, that's a good story. But like, sure. how are they deciding like this guy has two consonants in a row in his name and, and this part, then this one has a hyphenated name and like, how okay. are they- you want to know how? Uh, look at the names of the aliens in the J.J. Abrams movies. Multiple aliens in his movies are named after Beastie Boys songs and albums. Like, li- literally, one of the guy's names is Elo Nasty. Oh. <laughs> and, and all he does is just take the name of the song or album for the Beastie Boys, take out a few silly consonants, put a little apostrophe in there, boom, Elo Nasty. Uh, oh. So there, did I answer? Did I answer your questions? Kind of, it kind of, it kind of makes me not like it now. I know it's horrible. <laughs> for that one, uh, for that one, Jenna, you just mentioned about. I feel like the only way they would bring him to Canada would be Bator. Bator, say say the whole name. What is his name? <laughs> Bator, a master of the Jedi. Okay. Yeah. No, I was going to say, oh, speaking of, uh, you know what, just again, I recently discovered, and I was actually, again, going back to Justice League, I was watching the show, and the Satana, Satana. It was oh, ep- yeah. I, I think it was a Birds of Paradise, but it was it was an episode where... The Birds of Prey? Birds of Prey. No, 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 no. It was, the, it was the episode where they meet Cersei, and Cersei turns... The singing up- episode. Which one? The singing episode. The one where Kevin Conroy sings Am I Blue. Yes. yes, and turn <laughs> Wonder Woman to a pig. So I was just watching, you know, and Zatanna says she's recanting some spells, and then it kind of, but in short, it was her spells. If you go to watch the, that episode, 
and you put the the captions, the closed captions. Does <laughs> it? The spells are just basically words backwards. I, I love that. I know Phil and I both already know this. We're, we're, we we love the idea that you're catching it because <laughs> because in the comics that's literally how all of her stuff is. Every spell she says, it could just be like uh, go to hell, but she'll say it backwards, and you are now literally in hell. <laughs> yeah, and I thought I was like. Oh. Speaking Latin. No, she's just speaking backwards. <laughs> this is why I love subtitles, man. You get the most stuff out yep. of subtitles. Yep. I, um, well, for me, it's like, oh, I didn't realize that that was the character that was supposed to be considered saying that line. You know, they'll be like, they'll put, they'll say who's saying it or what the creature is that's making the noise. And I'm like, oh, well, that's very good. Yeah, spoilers. That. Spoilers. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, while we're on the Justice League uh, animated series, they also have a lot of relationships in that series whether it's romantic or friendship-wise, that I don't think really get developed in the comics. And, and they have that liberty because it's own little, you know, closed-off universe. So we have this, like, ongoing will-they-won't-they they with Batman and Wonder Woman, which is mm-hmm. honestly not a pairing I ever considered. Uh, but clearly Paul Denny or somebody was into that, you know? Um, I, think it's, I think it works. But I, like, I definitely like this. So when later on I saw, like, that, I know there's comic books where they pair off Wonder Woman with uh superman i was like no (laughs) it honestly feels like brother and sister too often the the only time i was really like brought into the whole superman wonder woman as a relationship was in uh kingdom come which is like 20 30 years in the future lois lane's been dead for over a decade you know then i'm like you know what i can buy these two later on in superman's life or for not really that much later for her because she's immortal you know but later on superman's life i could see them becoming a couple I just in the present day it just feels weird. Mm. Yeah. But uh, but the other couple that I really like in that one is uh John Stewart and uh Hot Girl, which has all kinds of different stuff as the I don't know if you've watched the whole series, but I know there's some like twists and turns that happen with that later on. I like uh, the I like the whole uh Green Arrow and Black Canary relationship. I mean that that's from the comics, that's straight from the comics, but but they do a good job of adapting it. Yeah, I no, now we're talking about relationships. Uh, I liked how uh, the Flash of the beginning. You know, he he was he's that young uh, Casanova that gets all the ladies, and you know, he, well, he did, thinks he does. True. Uh, and he did, and he gave his an honest shot towards uh, Hawk Girl and Wonder Woman. But I like how that like, <laughs> from like a dude trying to score with these with these with these women to. They're kind of like not his big sisters, so I like that. I was like, oh, this it shows character develop, or just not that he's just not just he didn't degenerate, man. Yeah, general man. So I like that. I like you know that. what? I, you know what I like about that Flash though too is that this is the start of this merged Barry Allen Wally West Flash, because for people who read the comics, Barry Allen was always this very serious, like like basically Captain America with speed, essentially. You know, um, huh. in fact. His last big storyline right before Crisis was the trial of the Flash. And it was all because he killed somebody who it was a reverse Flash uh, who is has killed and killed and killed and was going to kill again. And they're just like, we don't care. Heroes don't do that. And it's very much of, you know, black or white universe. And then and then we get the uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths. Then we get Wally West come in. Wally West is this really fun. You know, he still had the tragic origin, but he's fun. He tells jokes constantly. Not as much as Spider-Man does, but still does jokes. And then from the Justice League Unlimited on, we have this merged Wally Barry. And so now that's the version we have in the movies. That's the version we have in the TV show. And I don't I don't know how I feel about that. Like, 
I'm not the big DC guy that you guys might be, but I feel like those should be two separate characters, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, they're separate in the sense that they call him Barry. Yeah, but but I mean, like, I feel like Barry should have one personality, Wally should have another personality. I don't want maybe, them to be maybe they were never Maybe they were never separate and distinct enough for it to, you know, to make people feel that way about it. You know, you wouldn't... They don't often mix and match versions of Robin. Sometimes they do, but typically they're 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 pretty good about differentiating them. Yeah, definitely. Now that you mentioned that, that I mentioned that. So okay, the one from Justice League early two thousands. Uh, that is Wally West, right? They they never name him out loud, but I think he's intended to be Barry Allen, but acts like Wally West because they because they they give him an origin and they give him Barry's origin. Because I, I think, think it is. Is it named Wally? Is he actually named in the show? I can look it up. I, I think I it is. I know they mentioned his name, and it was for the episode of Starcross, the which is which is the it's when we find out the the Shara Hall is a is a spy, and so yes. when they take off their uniforms and all that stuff to blend in with the crowd with the population, I want to say it's Wally West. But my question, the reason why I bring that up is that I've seen Young Justice and all these things. Isn't Wally West? One of the characters from you, one young justice, has so pretty much going back to what you said. I feel like, uh, because when I saw um, episode from Young Justice, I, I thought I was like, well, I thought he was the original, the Flash from Justice League. So again, I just confused who were. No, no, that's reasonable because Wally was originally a teen sidekick, right? So yeah, he was the sidekick of Barry originally, <laughs> but then. From the 80s all the way through the early 2000s, he was the main Flash, mm-hmm. except for an adaptation. So, like when they made the the live action Flash series, his name was Barry when in the 90s, and when they made the 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 new live action Flash series, his name was Barry again. It's but, it's, it's Wally. Yeah, they do say Wally. Okay, well, I, know he's a, I know he's a redhead because I know in that episode where where Lex Luthor takes over his body, she has the mask and he looks like Wally. But I thought his name. I thought he had Barry's origin. Yeah, Gosh, no. I don't, I don't uh, well, because Wally's what? origin has to do with the chemicals in the lab. No, that's Barry's origins. The chemicals Barry's in the lab. Yeah, I mean, I okay. guess Wally was also kind of. I don't know. So there's so three. From my understanding, there's three. I'm pretty sure there's more. I know there's more. There's three flashes. Main there's, three, flash. there's three main flashes. Yeah, there's Jay Garrick from the 40s, right. uh, Barry Allen for the 60s through the 80s, and then again now. And then and Wally for the eighties through the to the thousands. There's a lot of other people that have been Flash, but most of them only lasted like a year or two, if that much. And then like Flash, like old timey Flash, yeah. old, old timey Flash. The one has like that plate. That's Jay. Jay. Jay Garrick. Jay. Yeah. So okay, gotcha, gotcha. Which apparently they wanted. That, there's that episode where they go to an alternate reality, uh, and they have these like golden age style heroes. And I think mm-hmm. one of them is called like the Green Sentinel or something like that. And the thing yeah. is, is that they they the Green the Green Guardsmen, Green Guardsmen, and those were supposed to be the Justice Society, but apparently some producer was like, "You're not allowed to use them." And I, I don't understand why that was. It's like, nope. yeah, apparently some producer was saying, "No, you can't use the Justice Society. We don't give you the rights to use them. You're only using Justice League characters." So yeah, that's a really really good pair of episodes, though. Yeah, I do. I, I wish they were the real guys, though. That would have been so good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the Justice Guild or something like that. But but here's what's it's what's funny to me though. You said a minute ago that you thought Wally was the main one because that's you the one you were introduced to. Yeah. Uh, there's a whole generation of DC fans who think that John Stewart is the main Green Lantern 
because of that series. And I prefer that. I'm not going to get into it. I know Freddie's not here to stop me, but I will easily go into a rant about why I hate Hal Jordan. Uh, oh, yeah. But I, episode, I edited it, so I know. <laughs> yeah, literally, I even had to edit out me just ranting about uh, Hal Jordan being bad for like 10 minutes of an episode that had nothing to do with Hal Jordan. But, but the point back to this series, though, is that uh, I've always loved Jon Stewart. And, yeah. and this series, yeah, sure, he was, f- for most of it, just generic Green Lantern. But he had a personality, and he was definitely a different character. And I really, yeah. I wish when they made a movie, they would have just followed that. They would have just followed this idea of like John Stewart has a fan base that's the little kids; they're adults now. Let them watch him in the movies. Mm. What's funny about that live action movie is, uh, man, it gets a lot of hate. But honestly, and this maybe this is just me. It's not that much worse than any of the mediocre superhero movies that come out. Yeah, it's it's about as bad in my mind as the as the Ed Norton Hulk movie. You know, I <laughs> mean, one, like the one that's called Hulk. Yeah, the one that's called Incredible Hulk. The one that's called a Hulk is the the one starring Eric Bana. That's the Ang Lee one. Yeah, Ang Lee one. I actually like that one better than the Ed Norton one. Really? I okay, like, I like Incredible Hulk better. They're they're both bad, right? But like, I can rewatch the Ang Lee one, whereas I just get bored out of my mind watching the Ed Norton one. It's so. been a long time since I watched the Ed Norton one, but the Ang Lee one, I remember thinking like, "What are they doing?" I mean, they didn't need to have Hulk dogs. Anyway, back to the Justice League, though. The reason <laughs> I bring that up, though, is that I really liked the the status quo they established in that universe, and I wish that the producers of the movies and stuff weren't like. Well, I think I've heard this guy was Green Lantern back in the day. I wish they said, no, this is what's working now. Let's go ahead with it. Um, and and I, I, I say that because there have been, and, and I, I have a, a mutual on TikTok who posted a video saying that, no, it's just one storyline that was bad for Hal Jordan from one writer. And she's right. That one storyline is the worst, the one where he dates a teenager. But there are so many bad Hal Jordan storylines by so many writers I feel that that character should not be redeemed. Yes, he's had a lot of good stories since, but I don't like it. Moving on, <laughs> no, that animated series is really, really good. By the way, for, I've for heard those, good things. I've heard good things about that series. Yeah, for those who are interested in and don't have a predisposition to Hal Jordan, the Green Lantern animated series is the same team who made Batman the animated series. So I mean, it's 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 really it's, it's all CG animated too. It is all CG, but it's really really good. I mean, I mentioned that I saw a couple of episodes. From the from the, the CG Green Lantern, uh, I like that one. It's uh, really good. Those actually, I, I like this pretty good, especially how they go and say they they delve into the the Red Lantern Corps. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. I had I had a question. Um, more like a more like a. Did you guys see the newest uh, Green Lantern movie, which is starring uh, John Stewart? Did you guys see oh, it? the animated one? No, I really want to see it. I, yeah, I, I, I have it on my shelf. Yeah, I, I know it's on HBO right now, so I do want to check it out. I saw is, it, is it very good. Edin, you saw it too. I saw it, and uh, I honestly, I feel like they dumbed down John Stewart, and and I don't know because it's a hard the performance that uh, Phil Lamar gave to that John Stewart. I don't know if he really set the bar high for me. So yeah. when I saw this one, I was like. I feel like it like uh, well, being, if you remember, it's, it's kind of a, it's an origin story. So I think they were trying to make him more approachable, like he was more of an everyman. So I would I would say 
if they do another one and they keep the cast the same and they keep the animation style the same, maybe see what they do there. Because I think what they were trying to do is make him sort of like, whoa, what's happening to me kind of thing. Because to me, it's like he he acted uh, as a kid, say, nowadays. He acted brand new for the for you know for some uh for the world that he was granted he's you know he just got his powers anybody would be confused on what's happening but he seemed to be acting for somebody who's in the marine corps he was acting a little bit brand new for my taste but uh but besides that i, I saw everything and and then i saw how jordan how he was like oh this is why this is why kevin doesn't like him. I can see why they like. Well, him. they lean, they, they lean into Hal being a, being a bad guy in that. No, they did. Not, not to spoil it for anybody, but Hal is not a good character in that movie. <laughs> I feel vindicated. I, I still need to watch it though. I've been told I will like it. You would uh, really appreciate the fact that Hal. Look, is as great. much as much as I always bash Hal, you have to understand that as a child, my favorite superhero was Green Lantern, and it was when Hal was Green Lantern. But it wasn't because of Hal. It was because a I loved the idea of a core the best people from every planet all working together to do what's right. And B, I honestly loved the John Stewart Mosaic series. Like I love that comic book. Um, but, but you know, what's funny is we're talking about that, you know, influencing a generation of viewers. Um, there's a good parallel to that uh, with the teen Titans go and teen Titans um, because there's a whole generation of, of kids who grew up with the idea that this is the teen Titans. They like Starfire as this innocent goofball that doesn't know how to do contractions. And they like, uh, you know, Beast Boy as this goof, goofy, happy guy. And I don't I don't know anywhere in the series where it actually shows him and Raven being into each other, but like everybody wanted them to be hooking up. So that was cool. Um, and then New 52 comes around in the comic books. And the very first appearance of Starfire in New 52 has her as an emotionless uh, being that only cares about sex. Uh, and it's like, what did you do? Imagine you're a, a little little kid, in fact, who grew up watching Teen Titans. Now you're like 15, 16, whatever. You go to the comic store. Hey, there's Starfire on the cover of that book. I want to read this. And she's just literally going to uh, Red Mass or Red Hood going, so do you want to have sex? You know, and like that's that. Like, why would you do that? Why would you take this character that suddenly has hundreds of thousands of new fans that didn't have before? And then just throw it all away. As a red-blooded American who enjoys <laughs> his, his sex and rock and roll, yeah, I would agree with you there. Like, I don't know. Because uh, yeah, Teen Titans. Teen Titans. And then you up her to be like this, I guess, sex fiend. I don't know. Here's the thing. I'm not saying that sex needs to be taken out of it. Because, oh, um, sure. because Starfire has always been said to be a polyamorous character. Like she, she's from a culture where that is the norm, and there's nothing wrong with that. I don't think there should be anything wrong with that. But they turned it into a joke, and a very ugly joke too. Yeah. But that was the problem. Just, I mean, I haven't read it, but based on what you're telling me, if if it's that 180 of a turn, yeah, it's just it, it feels. It don't feel like it, it feel like it, it don't feel like Starfire. Yeah, and and I feel like that's some a lesson that I think studios should take away from this is not. Just copy what works. You know what I mean? Look for what people attached onto. You know, the Justice League and Teen Titans, these were popular with the kids, not because, oh, it's got superheroes, but because specifically the stories and the involvement of the characters. Um, you know, the the Marvel movies were, were popular, not because Iron Man was like, I don't care about a secret identity, but because the characters had a lot of involvement with each other. The, the, uh, the uh, Nolan Batman movies, 
were good because they were deep, not because they're, they were dark. They're okay. And, no, yeah. Well, you're right. I, 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 they're not my favorite either, but I do appreciate them. But that being said, I agree. I, that, I agree with that sentence. Yeah, but that being said, they took the wrong message away when they started the new uh, DCEU with uh, Zack Snyder saying, hey, the dark movies were successful. Make your Superman dark. Make your Batman dark. Yeah. You know, and it was the wrong message. Yeah, because I feel like uh, the Batman, the like the Nolan movies, it was dark in theme, but like the rest of the world, it looked like your everyday. This guy really took it literal and made everything dark, both uh, visuals, meta, story. And I was like, God damn, dude, you 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 had a little bit too much salt to this. <laughs> Exactly. Like the, the, my joke about for uh, about the Batman versus Superman movie is that this wasn't Batman versus Superman. It was uh, Superman pretending to be Batman and Punisher cosplaying as Batman. That's who these two characters were. Ah, uh, yeah, man, you're right. You're right. I mean, out of the out of, out of the big three from DC, which is Wonder Woman, Batman, and Superman. Batman, like Mo, I feel like a lot of us, he's, he's my favorite, and uh, and yeah, and that's it. And his and his approach here, may I don't know, maybe because I'm judging him for the whole long history of Batman's, but this Batman, like you said, it's uh, you're right, it just feels like just put they should have just put instead of the instead of the instead of the bat and saying the other, you should have just put the Punisher, which I'm pretty <laughs> sure that already happened with um, Amalgam Comics. I think that version oh, that's a yeah, that would be a fun movie series that, that um that version of batman i kind of feel like they were pulling from dark knight returns yeah well entirely but but again he wasn't pulling from the story of dark knight returns he was pulling from the visuals of dark knight returns like he took a, a series of lines that were said in that story and had the characters repeat them but without the context of the story it means nothing well, all right but there was Batman was sort of worn down in that in that film. Yeah, but it was it was for a reason, and it was after decades of Batman and Superman being best friends. So you can't have that, and then instead of have it be their very first meeting. Well, let, let me ask you guys one last question. Then we need to wrap up this, uh, and that is, given what we're talking about with you know going back to the Mandalorian, how they kind of take all the best parts of Star Wars and brought it together, and we talk about the Justice League animated series and where they take all the best parts. Of, of DC heroes and made them work together. Uh, what would you guys like to see for the future? What, what's it going to take for, for these kind of properties to really thrive? Edine, what, what do you think they need to do? Well, I really hope, I really hope that James Gunn takes a book or brings somebody from that whole era of cartoons from uh, early, like the Batman anime series, Justice League, if he if he can get somebody from that world to to his team, that would be great because because one of my fantasies would be right now if we could get the whole amalgam like <laughs> uh, to bring that to the films where you have Batman, we have a uh, well the Hulk versus Superman, Batman against Wolverine. Oh, you mean <laughs> the best. Phil, do you think DC Phil? Do you think DC versus Marvel and even amalgam? Do you think that's ever gonna happen in a movie? Man, I'm in my sixties. I think I think they could do it, and it, it would be done poorly. I think that could happen. Yeah. Um. I I would I would much rather see uh, the amalgam verse instead of the <laughs> we get 
the verses. I don't. You gotta, you gotta do. You gotta do one. Well, it doesn't be a versus, but you gotta do a crossover before you do a crossover. Uh, you know what's funny though is I've been saying this for a long time. I think fully that both studios want this to happen. They want it to happen because it'll be the biggest money maker ever. But here's what's stopping them: DC's constant failures. You know. Um, you know, Shazam, which honestly, I mean, look, I wanted to see the sequel. I will eventually, but the fact that they, they left out Mr. Mind, Mr. Mind. And, and, and what the, the director said is we didn't want to use Mr. Mind because we wanted Mind. to do something different. <laughs> Mr. Mind, 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 mind. Uh, I know, I know, I know my, my, yeah. But, uh, but they left him off because the director's like, Oh, we wanted to do something new. And the new thing he did was have Shazam fight a bunch of people who have godlike powers. Isn't that like every Marvel first movie hero fights somebody with the same powers? You know, so I would rather have a little tiny worm that commands an army of monsters. That would have been cool. I wanted that movie and that didn't happen. I don't want to go. You have to understand the stuff that I agree with you. That would have been cool. Unfortunately, I think they're too worried of taking those kinds of risks because in their mind, that's too ridiculous. <sighs> but, but see, that's the thing. Once DC has a series of successes, like honest to goodness yeah, successes. I agree. Once that happens, then they're going to call Disney up and say, okay, we're ready to talk. Because until that happens, if DC were to have a crossover with Marvel now, they would be seen as beggars trying to get the big money. Yeah. They would be seen as, as like people like, please, dad, daddy, Disney, please help us out. You know what I mean? Whereas if they can at least have a few, like a string of successes, critically yeah. and commercially, then they will talk. And I, I think I, I, I feel like inside that's what I think is going on right now. They were, Once that they happens. Were there. I, I kind of felt like it was starting to go that way between Wonder Woman and Aquaman and Shazam and the Suicide Squad and the Suicide Squad. It started feeling like they were figuring something out. And even though I'm not opposed to the James Gunn thing, but I do think um, for better or for worse, I actually think the last, you know, X number of years of DC films were working i know people don't think that that's true i think they were working in their own way and and it was so funny about it is people were uh, warner brothers was so quick to say oh well we're not going to do um a unified universe we're going to do a bunch of one-offs but they kept referencing previous films and i'm like you're not really doing one-offs you're just saying you're doing one-offs so i don't know i i kind of felt like that it had its own cohesion that was clunky not as polished as Marvel, but I was still enjoying the ride. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know where I'm going with that other than to say I, I, I liked some of the stuff that was coming out. And I was optimistic for what else they were going to do. But I'm I'm okay with the idea of wiping the slate clean. That's fine. Let's see if they can, you know, if they can reinvent the wheel. Because uh, for me, now that you mentioned that, uh, at least for me, DC as of late has always been playing catch up. With tomorrow, like for example, Marvel versus Capcom. I don't know if you ever guys played the game. Never heard of it. Great game. Uh, to me, one of my favorite fighting games. Uh, so, so okay. Where is where is DC's version? DC and, versus Mortal Kombat. I mean, it's not the, quite the, the same. Problem, the like, problem with that question is they never needed to play catch up. Like all they needed to do was realize. Marvel may be owning the box office right now, but if they would have played their cards right and taken it slow and built things up the right way, eventually they would have been the next one to, to be there. They just they made it feel like, like the way Warner Brothers was handling it, made it feel like that they had to play catch up. And I think yes. 
when they when they rushed out a Justice League movie before they even built up to a Justice League movie, then we all started going, oh, I guess they're trying to copy Marvel and catch up. But they never needed to play catch up. That, that, that was a you know what? It, it's okay. not even that. It's not even that they had to play catch up. It's that they forced themselves into that by saying we are going to purposely be the opposite of Marvel. Marvel does end credits. We won't do end credits. Marvel does jokes. We will do no jokes. And I'm like, that's not how it works. You know, yep. you tell the story that needs to be told for that character, for that director, for that writer. That's yep. what you do. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, on well, that note. On that oh, note, I feel like we need to, to wrap up our, our, our adventures today with my Primus podcast. Um, Edine, I'm so glad you come out from behind the computer screen and, and bring your voice back onto the show again. Uh, and Phil, thank you for joining us uh, for the first time on my Primus podcast. Phil, where can people find you online if they're looking for you? You know, the easiest thing I would say right now is just find me on YouTube. That's that's where like a lot of my current stuff is going. So I would just say search Phil Maki on YouTube and uh, check out uh, some videos. And for the record, that would be Phil uh, with M A C H I Maki M A C. Well, we are a podcast, so so. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yes, it is P A I L M A C H I. You could say Mac Hi, and that would be an appropriate way to tell someone how to spell my name. I, I love that Mac Hi. All right, Evine. Other than in a strange stone wall building somewhere in California, uh, can people get you out of that prison? We will can, get you out. Can people find you online? Uh, right now, right now, I don't want to be found. That is fair. That's why you're in that weird stone wall. He's in a cave somewhere in California. Uh, that, probably underneath the Vasquez rocks there. We're going to see him guest star in some sci-fi movie. Um, and, uh, and of course, I'm uh, Kevin Garcia. You find me at uh, kevingarcia.com or on TikTok lately at kevingarcia underscore com. Uh, and, of course, we are My Primos Podcast. You can find us on all the podcast apps and also at My Primos Podcast on just about every one of the social medias. Uh, please follow us. Please tell your friends. Please tell your primos. And uh, you know what? Everybody get out there and support DC once they do something right. 